Through our open window, I caught snatches of conversation. Sons, dogs, a troublesome reeve, chit-chat, definitely an off-duty air to the gathering. I didn't hear anyone leaving the house to greet them, nor did they seem to expect it. They sounded happy enough to be there beneath our window in the sunshine. Then came a second, similar group, joining the first with comparable languor, and a third, by which time Ard realized their riding up to the house was simply to leave room for those behind. This was some kind of procession coming to a close here. Before long, there were dozens of noblemen down there on their wonderful horses. Was Harry somewhere among them? Harry, taking his place as the fine, upstanding man he was supposed to be. And if he was there, would he know I was here? Should he spot me, he might come up. It wouldn't be easy, though, to have him here. He'd be out of place. I didn't want him coming up here. So I drew back, unable then to see much more of the oncoming archers than a protracted jostling of bows, and behind them the flashes of sunlight on silk, suggesting the presence of standard-bearers. Well over a hundred men in all was my guess. The green's already patchy grass would be getting a good kicking. Absorbed as I was, I jumped when Jane spoke up. Is that the Duke? She spoke up but didn't look up. I could tell the difference, by then, from her voice alone. I didn't need to tear myself away from the spectacle to know she had her head in a book. I wondered if, in turn, had the hubbub of the crowd and the haze of horses not been drifting through our window, she'd have known from my demeanour that I was witnessing something quite different from the everyday humdrum business of the Bailey. The Duke? Could all this be for the Duke? He'd be arriving under escort, I knew, but this? Horsemen and archers and standard-bearers? A hundred or more men in all? How would I know if he was there, even if it were easy to distinguish anyone in particular down there, which it wasn't? I didn't have a clue what he looked like. But then actually I did. I did see him, and I did know it was him in the very instant that Jane offered the clue. Scarlet cloak, adding, he always wears it, as if he did so specifically to bore her. Mid-crowd, a man was indeed dismounting inside an eye-catching bloom of that finest cloth. Got him. Yep, he's there, I crowed, and then, when she didn't respond, There he is! Is he? Sarcastic, as if she'd never been interested. Suit yourself. Me, I was avid to see whatever I could of the man who'd run England for the past couple of years, then had the gall to ignore a king's daughter and, in her place, declare his own daughter-in-law. The scarlet sporting duke was joined by four others, fine figures of men, but with a residual delicacy of boyhood and an air of dejection. These, I guessed, were the sons the beloved sons. 
a huddle of sons around whom other men busied themselves, conferring and casting around for direction. The Duke showed no sign of discomfort, didn't cower as his sons did. At ease and busy he appeared, as if he were at least equal to those other men in the matter of bringing about his detention. Which, conceivably, he was. The outstandingly capable Duke. Only when he turned in pursuit of one of those men did I see that there was something amiss with that heavy swinging but light-as-air cloak of his. But not until he turned again did I properly see the splatter, all down the back. An extravagant, glistening mess. Real, actual egg-throwing, then, and it took my breath away to see it because that must have been some ride through London. No wonder the sons were unnerved. But egg was all it was.